Hey everybody, welcome back to the Blessed and Beautiful Homestead podcast show. Thanks for hanging out with me today. So as you can tell from the title of this podcast, I decided to share something very, very personal with you guys. And I have actually gone back and forth for mm, just over a year now on whether I wanted to share this with anybody or just kind of keep it to myself because Only a few people in my circle know about my breast implant story, but I wish that back when I decided to get my breast implants that somebody was there to give me a different perspective because back when I made that decision, I I only thought of one thing and that was getting breast implants. So maybe if you're somebody out there that's considering getting breast implants or you already have them and you're considering taking them out, maybe my perspective can um, just shed some light on some things for you. So with that being said, let's jump into it. My name is Tina, and I am the creator of the podcast and YouTube channel, Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. I love to share from scratch recipes, homeschool life inspiration, our homesteading journey, and just all things life with you. This is a space where we are going to get down and dirty, raw and unfiltered about motherhood, marriage, our culture, and our spiritual pursuit as believers. Thank you for joining me today. I am so glad you're here. And my hope is that I can be a blessing to you. So my goal with this podcast show today was really to share my personal experience with breast implants with you. I'm not going to get too technical with everything, even though there is a plethora of information out there. I will put some links in the show notes today so you can go back and do some research and look up these things that I'm talking about and uh, study some of that on your own to help you decide or make, you know, make your decision. So really, I just wanted to share with you my story, um, what caused me or what prompted me to get breast implants, um, and then also why I decided to take them out. So, you know, first and foremost, you guys, breast implants are not a lifetime device, okay? They have to be exchanged every so often, depending on the type of implant that you decide to get. Typically between 10 to 15 years, they say they start to kind of deteriorate and you are going to need to exchange them and get a new set put in. So they are not lifetime devices by any means. And this is, you know, one thing that I didn't think about when I got them. I knew that, but back then I didn't really care about that fact. So let me just start with kind of where I was mentally and I guess emotionally back when I got my breast implants. I got them when I was 23 years old. Um, I was a military spouse. Joe, we were in the army. Joe was um, the only one active duty at the time. I actually had already gotten out of the army. So I was staying home with Lexi. I was a stay-at-home mom. And we were living in Fairbanks, Alaska when I decided to get my implants. And, you know, this was back in the day when... Like, what is that show? Girls Next Door, um, you know, Hugh Hefner, his girlfriend's Playboy Mansion, like 
all that stuff was like really popular, right? And I was young and naive and I used to watch that crap. I mean, I don't I don't even allow that stuff on my TV now, but back then I was I was into all of that stuff, much like a lot of the younger crowd and some of the older people too are into reality shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians and things like that. Um, I just don't watch that stuff anymore because I feel like all too often we look at those people and their lives, which are um, not what our lives are, right? We're not celebrities with tons of money um, that have makeup artists that come in and do our makeup for us with personal trainers and chefs and nannies to take care of our children. Like maybe that's your reality, but that's definitely never been my reality. So watching shows like that, just tends to make you not feel so good about your own life and who you are because it just showcases everything that you're not and everything that you don't have. Um, And it leaves us coveting what someone else might have, which is a sin, right? We're not supposed to covet what our neighbor has or what someone else has. And I definitely remember watching these shows back when I was in my early 20s and um, I would look at my own body and I had just had Lexi. I had her super young. I was 19 when I had her. I think before my implants, I was probably a, I would say a full B cup. That's, that's the size that I was. And naturally, like most women can relate, I was a little um, asymmetrical, right? So one of my breasts was a little bit larger than the other. Uh, that's very common. A lot of us have things like that. Sometimes you might have an eye that squints more than the other when you smile or an eyebrow that's perfectly arched and the other one is like really pointy. I mean, that's just how God created us, right? But instead of looking at these imperfections, and just appreciating the fact that that's our body, that's how God made us, and learning to love ourselves for who we are. We're watching social media, we're watching TV shows, and maybe even others in our lives, and we're just like, man, I wish I could be more like them because they're so perfect. And the reality is, you know, it it took implants to give me that quote-unquote perfect breast look that the TV and the culture and the world said I needed to have, right? But that's not perfect in my eyes now. Knowing what I know now versus what I knew back then, that's most definitely not perfection, especially when it comes with the risk and the cost that comes with that decision. But I was young and I was impressionable. And I remember after having Lexi and breastfeeding her, ladies, you know, you know what happens to the boobies, okay? Um, They weren't as full as they used to be. And I had a friend when I was, we were stationed up in Alaska and she had breast implants. Um, She was beautiful, absolutely beautiful, fit. Um, long brown hair, really big, perfect breast implants. I mean, I think she was like a probably a, a full D cup. And um, they were just very perky. That's what you get when you get implants. You get that fullness at the top of your breast that you don't normally have with natural breasts. It's kind of like that fake ball on your chest look, right? That's not natural. That's not what God intended for our breasts to look like. However, the culture in the world has made us think that that is what our breasts need to look like. Fake water balloons sitting on our chest. And in, you know, in turn with that, men 
have grown to desire that look over a natural tear-shaped breast, right? Not all men, but a lot of men um, that are addicted to pornography and things like that, that is what they've grown accustomed to. So they look at a woman that might have a small A cup or a B cup with that natural teardrop shape, and that's not pleasing to them because they're so accustomed to seeing fake breast implants. So it's really kind of sad, but I remember hanging out with my friend and, um, I'm not going to lie, I was very envious of her perfect breasts that I did not have. So again, I wish I had someone in my life that could have sat me down with a cup of coffee and said, Tina, you're beautiful the way you are. Just help me see that other side of it. Help me see the other perspective. Because all I was seeing was what I wasn't and what she was. And then that was, you know... um, even made worse by watching the shows and the things that I was watching on TV, making me feel really bad about my own body. And back then, we didn't have social media, (laughs) and we didn't really have um, iPhones like we do today. So it was really, I, I would... I would venture to say that it's probably worse today even than it was back then because now you have young women and women uh, looking at all of these things online, on social media, scrolling through Instagram and TikTok all day. So it's just in their face constantly, um, you know, that they're not quote unquote perfect, right? People are getting butt implants, lip injections. I mean, all of this stuff to... um, make their bodies look the way that they think they should look because of how everybody else is looking. So um, I was 23 when I got them. And like I said, we lived in Fairbanks, Alaska. I had to decide how in the world I was going to get them because there was plastic surgeons down in Anchorage that did implants. But I wanted to make sure that I got them done by somebody that was very experienced with this procedure So I started doing some research and long story short, I ended up going to the state of Arizona to a well-known plastic surgeon down there to get my implants done. So it was kind of crazy, you guys. I'm not going to lie. I just wanted big boobs. I did not do my research. I didn't think about the long-term effects, the possible risks and side effects. I didn't think about the money that would be required later on to either get them exchanged or remove them. All I knew was in that moment, I wanted breast implants. I wanted that look that everybody else had and I wasn't going to stop until I got it. So we um, actually flew down. This all happened in a matter of five days. This was not planned out very well. You know, with a surgery um, like that, you really want to be able to recover, take it easy, Um, rest after the procedure while we did everything within five days. So we flew from Alaska to Arizona. We met with the doctor for the consultation. And then I went back a day or two later, got the surgery. And then um, we flew home after that. I think I spent another night or so with Joe's family. And then we flew back to Alaska right after that. So the surgery itself was only about an hour and a half procedure, if I'm remembering properly. This was quite a while ago. Um, And to get the implants back then, it cost me $5,000. That included the surgery fees, anesthesia, the implants themselves, that covered everything. And I remember having to sit down and read a ton of paperwork, right, Um, from the doctor, making sure I was aware of the risks with the anesthesia, anything else that came along with the surgery. 
But I remember them telling me that there were no risks um, as far as like the breast implants themselves, you know, causing cancer or, you know, if they ruptured inside of me, leaking out inside of me, that it wouldn't cause any issues. And that's all I needed to hear. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to get them. So I got them. Surgery went well. Um, I remember feeling like when I woke up, I remember feeling like I had an elephant sitting on my chest. Like that is the only way I can explain how it felt. My, my chest felt so unbelievably heavy. And then they put these drain tubes in to um, help draw out the excess fluid and blood that's in there. And you have to change out those, you know, they're tubes that come out of each side of your breast. And they have like that little, um, oh my goodness, what's it called? Like that little plastic globe on the end of it that fills up and you have to disconnect it and empty the fluid out every so often and then you have to log how much fluid is coming out and then after a few days you get to have those drain tubes removed um, but we flew back home a day or two after my surgery I was um, given Percocet for the pain I've never been a pill person you guys um, know that <laughs> I think I've talked about that before I'm just very uh, natural anti-medication as much as I possibly can. Um, but I was definitely in some pain. So I did take some of the Percocet that they gave me, which made me super nauseous on the flight back to Alaska. I ended up throwing up in a paper bag on the escalator in the airport while holding my boobs in my arm. Because as you can imagine, when you're vomiting, um, you know, the the motions that come with that, the flexing of the muscles, it was so painful to even vomit. It was just awful. Um, but we got home and I healed just fine. I would say I was actually pretty amazed. Within like eight to 10 days after my surgery, I was almost 100% back to normal. Um, other than wearing some bras for a while that did not have underwires and things because I opted to get the incision under my natural fold of my breast because it hides the scar really well. So you can get them put in through your armpits. You can get them put in through your nipples. You can get them put in under your breast. And my doctor thought that I had enough breast tissue naturally to hide a scar really well. So that's the way that we did it. And you can get silicone or you can get saline. I opted to get silicone um, just because when I went in for the consultation, they let you feel the different implants, the different sizes, and you get to see what kind of texture you like. And the silicone is like a gel, so it's more squishy and more natural feeling than, say, a saline implant, which is more like it's just salt water in there. So it's literally like a water balloon. It's kind of harder. It's not as squishy. And to me, it just didn't feel as natural. So I went with the silicone. And because of that, they couldn't go through the armpits. They can only go through the armpits and the nipple if they're doing saline because they put the implant in your breast. And once they lay that out in your breast, then they fill it in your breast with the saline. So obviously I couldn't do that because I got silicone. So after I was all healed up and everything, um, you know, I, for the most part, was happy with my implants. I had my implants for almost 15 years before I decided to take them out. And I never had a rupture. 
I never had um, any weird, um, you know, like my body didn't reject them. You can get capsular contracture, which is a major issue with implants where basically your body is rejecting the implant because what happens is once, you know, like anything foreign that goes into your body, your body will develop scar tissue around that object and it will try to force it out because it's recognizing that it's not part of the body. Um, so some people, when that scar tissue develops around the implant, um, and it's not taking well to it, that scar tissue will start to squeeze down on the implant super tight. It's very painful. And then also it, as you can imagine, it makes the implant have a really unnatural shape to it. And my goodness, you guys can go online and look at photos, but there's women that have had capsular contractures so bad that they've had to go directly back into surgery and have the implants removed, have the scar tissue removed. I didn't have any of that. I didn't have any crazy um, side effects for my implants. The only issue that I had was I always had a burning sensation in my right breast um, kind of on the side uh, up by my armpit and it would just at the most random times it would it literally felt like a searing burning pain through the right side of my breast almost like someone just like stuck a lighter um, or a match right into the side of my breast but it would just shoot through my boob and it would last for a good few minutes and I would kind of use my fist and I would push in on my, my boob to try to make it stop. And that was something that I had from the get-go and I had, I experienced that for the whole 15 years. But it wasn't something that was like debilitating. It wasn't something that, you know, wasn't, um, I just dealt with it. I just got used to it. <laughs> so I will say to you guys that, um, you know, I am not the person that I was back then. I, I'm not the woman that I was back then. And if you guys have been around my podcast for a little bit and you've heard some of my shows, I've talked a lot about mine and Joe's struggle with um, pornography and the addiction that he's had with pornography and kind of what that's done to our marriage. And, you know, we're still working on that every day, right? And we're recovering from that. And it's it's just like an alcoholic, you know, you're you're, that's always going to be a struggle. Um, and so every day we're working on that with Joe as well. But back then I was so, oh, I just want to go back there and shake my younger self because um, how do I put this? <laughs> well, I'm just going to say it. Now I'm like, look, bro, okay, because this is who I am. Like you need to just accept my boobies the way they are. And let me, let me preface this by saying never once did Joe ever make me feel insecure about my body. Not one time did he ever put me down, make any negative comments about my breasts or uh, anything like that. But his addiction to pornography did it to me anyway. Does that make sense? Like his addiction to pornography constantly... Um, throughout our 22 years of marriage left me in a state of never feeling good enough or wondering if it was me, right? If you guys have ever struggled with that, you can probably relate to where I'm coming from. And the first thing people always tell me is, oh, well, you know, it's not you. You're beautiful. Oh my gosh, you're gorgeous. It's not you. It's his problem. You can tell 
um, the spouse of a porn addict that all day long. And um, it, it really doesn't mean anything because at the end of the day, in those dark, lonely moments, we still wonder if we're not good enough. That's just that's just the reality of that addiction. It hurts everybody around you, not just the person that's addicted to the pornography. So while Joe never made me feel inadequate, he's always been an amazing husband, um, never puts me down, always supportive of whatever I've wanted to do. I would be lying if I said that his porn addiction did not play a part in me wanting to get breast implants. I wanted to be what he was wanting to look at. And at the time, during those really rough points in his addiction, I was not what he was looking at, right? So in my mind, at 23 years old, I was trying to make myself be more of what I thought he wanted. So sad, right? It's so sad. And I look back now, and like I just said, I want to shake my younger self because you know what? No. When that man left his parents to marry me, he's saying, I want you and I want only you. And if that's not the case, then he had no business marrying me, period. That's the way I see it. And the culture doesn't see it that way, you guys. They just don't. So if you, I mean, you cannot talk sense into someone that is of this world when it comes to the topic of pornography um, and breast implants. You just can't do it. It's like they see things on a totally different level than we do. But biblically speaking, we know the truth. We know the foundation. We know the design of marriage and what that relationship is supposed to be like. And you're not supposed to be going to strip clubs. You're not supposed to be looking at pornography and lusting after another woman. You're not supposed to be engaging in sexual activity with other people or opening up your marriage bed for an additional person to hop on in there and have orgies. That is not the design of sex and marriage that God created, but you can't tell that to the world, right? So I'm definitely not the person that I used to be. Um, you know, I, I I have taken on the stance now that I accept fully and wholeheartedly the body that I have that God has given me, and I think there's beauty in in the imperfections. I think there's beauty in not having these perfectly round, bulging breasts. I think there's beauty in those stretch marks that we might have from carrying our babies. There's beauty in those things because that is a life lived, right? So it's like, instead of looking at as a negative thing, it, it needs to, we got to shift our mindset and the way that we see things and think of that as a blessing. You know, there's a lot of women out there that have not been blessed with the opportunity to have children. They're not even able to have children, right? So they'll never get to experience breastfeeding that baby or carrying around those uh, stretch marks that show the nine months that a human was developing inside of her stomach. Um, So it's just kind of a paradigm shift, looking at things a little bit differently. But if if I told you that the issues that Joe and I were facing in our marriage didn't play a role in the decision to get implants, that would be a lie, you guys. That was definitely a factor for me. And at the time, I didn't tell Joe that. 
I, I don't remember ever voicing that to him and saying, you know, well, since you like to look at porn so much, you know, maybe I should just get bigger boobs. Maybe, maybe you would like that. I never said that to him. Um, I was young. I wanted to have them and my friend had them. People on TV had them and I just thought it was the cool thing to do. And so I did it. Um, now, I had already had Lexi, so, you know, that was one baby uh, done, and then I decided, we decided to have another baby, and we got pregnant with Parker, um, and I I didn't really have any issues with the implants during my pregnancy, other than the fact that my breasts were just ginormous, right? When you get pregnant, they are, they get bigger anyway, they get massive, um, just like the cow before she calves, right? <laughs> that udder, man, that thing really blows up. So imagine that with implants also. And I had large implants. Like I said, I was a full B. And by the time I got done uh, getting my implants, I was a double D. Um, a small double D though, if that makes sense. But I got, you know, 400, I think it was 490 cc's. That's how big my breast implants were. They were really large, you guys. So when I was pregnant with Parker, my boobs were almost unbearable. They were just huge. Um, after I had Parker, I did try to breastfeed him and I developed mastitis really, really bad. Um, and interestingly enough, actually thinking about it, it was in my right breast, which is the one that I always had those shooting pains in after I got the implants. So um, I was only able to breastfeed him for, I think, two months. And then I developed a really bad case of mastitis. You guys, you know, like we can look back in our lives and we can think of things that like, oh, that was the worst thing I ever went through. Well, that mastitis was one of the worst painful things I've ever been through in my life. I woke up one morning, my entire right breast was hot and hard as a rock, really swollen, um, I had body aches, I had a fever, I had chills, and I knew because the discharge, you know, instructions when I left the hospital with Parker, they told me the signs to look out for uh, for getting mastitis, which is an infection in your breast, for those of you that might not know. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I have mastitis. So when I called the doctor, I didn't even have to go in to see her. She knew immediately when I told her the symptoms that I had mastitis. She had Joe go pick up antibiotics for me. He brought them home. Um, again, we lived in Alaska, um, but we lived in Ketchikan, Alaska this time. We were on a little island there. And don't you know, I ended up having an allergic reaction to the antibiotic that she gave me. <laughs> I'm like, I cannot win. Oh my gosh. It was an antibiotic I'd never taken in my life. Like most of us know what amoxicillin is. We've all taken that. Um, but this was something I had never had before. So I took the uh, antibiotic that she gave me and I immediately broke out in a, a rash from head to toe, started itching. Um, and I called her and I told her, and she's like, stop, stop taking it right now. You're having a reaction. Um, so she gave me something else and it, you know, it cleared the mastitis up. But you guys, for three days, I was in the fetal position in pain with a fever. Just, I, I thought I was dying. It was that bad. And in the midst of all that, you know, they're like, you need to let the baby breastfeed because you, that's, 
<laughs> that's part of what can cause mastitis. Same thing like when you have a cow, right, homesteaders? If you don't get all that milk out of there when you're milking them, that can back up and cause an infection, and they can get mastitis from that, so you've got to milk them out completely. So the first thing you want to do when you have mastitis is you don't want a baby hanging off your boob. That's the last thing you want. You're in pain. The thought of their mouth even on there is it makes me cringe, right? But I had to stick him on there and allow him to breastfeed, and I think at one point I ended up just putting the milker on there because um, I just, I couldn't handle him sucking on that during that time. But it was horrific. I don't know if the mastitis, I don't know if the breast implants played into that at all. I did not have mastitis when I had Lexi um, and I did not have breast implants when I had Lexi. So I really can't say for sure um, if that played any, any role in that, but I did get mastitis with Parker um, when I had my breast implants. So that was awful. Absolutely terrible. One thing that, you know, made me decide, you know, I started thinking at, at like the eight to 10 year mark with my implants, you know, I'm coming up on time that they're going to have to be, uh, replaced. Like I said, they say 10 to 15 years ish is when you should get them switched out to avoid any ruptures or issues. And, the thing I really started noticing throughout the years, it was like at first it was like, woohoo, I've got these big boobs. But then I started noticing, dang, I can't fit into anything. I can't wear cute little t-shirts and I can't wear cute little bikinis and I can't wear cute little uh, lacy bras, right? Like Joe has a preference for lacy um, bras. That's just what he likes. You know, ladies, we get, you can get those bras that have the lining, um, or that are padded. Joe doesn't like that because he likes to be able to feel things. Okay. And he likes to be able to see things. So he loves a lacy bra. Well, with big, huge breast implants like that, I could never find a lacy bra that would support those big boobs. I just couldn't. So I ended up getting really nice bras from Victoria's Secret, but they were always lined um, and had to give major support to hold those big girls up. You know what I'm saying? I, I would see girls running around in their little itty bitty, you know, we call it what the itty bitty titty committee, right? With their cute little bathing suit tops or, you know, and I was like, man, I kind of miss having little boobs and working out in the garden. Oh my gosh, you guys with boobs that size, it's like, you might as well just roll up a towel and stick it under your breasts because the sweat is real. <laughs> it's like, it is just disgusting. There's just too much like creasing going on down there. So I definitely started thinking at like the eight to 10 year mark, you know, I'm really getting tired of these big old things. Like they're just not all they cracked up to be. They were uncomfortable when I would sleep. Um, I just was kind of getting over it. Big boobs weren't everything at that point. And I think that the big, hard, ball boobs are kind of like gone now, right? Like that was like in during like the girls next door. That was in during Baywatch because of Pamela Anderson. That was big back then, but now more of that natural look and the smaller breasts are starting to come back. So big boobs just weren't everything to me anymore. So last year, actually, during the pandemic, 2020, 
Um, I happened to be scrolling on Facebook and I was looking at a friend's post and she posted something that I had never heard of before and it got me going down on this rabbit trail, you guys, and I wanted to talk to you about that because this is inevitably what made me decide to remove my breast implants. So she had a post on there and it was talking about something that is called breast implant illness, BII. I had never heard of that a day in my life. And at this point I had my implants in me for about 14 and a half years. So I started doing research on this and come to find out breast implant illness is something that is it's a real thing. It is happening across the earth, across the nation. Women are coming forward with these unexplained symptoms that they feel are from their breast implants. Now, back when I got my implants, the doctor told me that if they ruptured or something happened, when the silicone leaked into my body, it would not harm me. That's what I was told when I got them, right? Because that's always the big fear. If your breast implants rupture, is the, the stuff going to harm my body if it leaks throughout my body? Well, they told me no. Well, come to find out that's not true. And there's a lot more information now on the FDA's website than there was back when I got my breast implants. As a matter of fact, because of the issues that are coming out from breast implants to include cancer, and I'm gonna talk about that in a second, the FDA has now been made to put a black box warning on all implants so that women are made aware of the fact that there are dangers and risks with getting these breast implants. And it doesn't matter if you get silicone or saline, there's risks with both of them. So I went down this rabbit trail, started researching, watching some YouTube videos on women that had experienced the BII and the symptoms and just the horrific um, impact that it had on their lives and their health. It was so sad and it started to scare me a little bit. I'm like, you know, they didn't have this information back when I got my implants, but obviously that was 15 years ago and there's more information now. And I started feeling a little bit panicked about, I need to get these things out of me, right? So silicone contains carcinogens and toxins that can wreak havoc on your body. So for example, it can cause connective tissue disease, inflammation, and these are all symptoms that come with breast implant illness, right? Women have reported like symptoms of um, major sinus problems, allergies, dizziness, all kinds of neurological issues from leaking breast implants, but now they're even finding through studies that even if the implant is not leaking, over time, the implants are actually permeable and those toxins can slowly at a microscopic level start to leach out into your body. How scary is that, you guys? Seriously? I mean, I just did a show on the uh, COVID vaccine a few weeks ago and why I won't be getting it. And it's, again, it's like, why would you knowingly inject something into your body that could possibly be a risk, which is proving to be a risk to other people when you're a perfectly healthy individual? And that's kind of how I look at these breast implants. I was young, I was healthy as can be, and here I put these two huge breast implants in my body um, that could potentially be leaking harmful toxins into, into my body.
So the breast cancer that is associated with breast implants, this is not uh, the regular breast cancer that you hear people getting. This is actually caused by the implants themselves. It's called BIAALCL. Um, evidence suggests that textured implants present the highest risk of cancer um, you know, when having those type of implants. However, textured saline implants and non-textured carry the same risk of cancer. So um, it's important to note that some women that even have the smooth saline implants have also developed this BIA-ALCL cancer. It's widely thought that saline implants are harmless when they leak, but saline implants are prone to mold and yeast and bacteria growth. So deterioration of that implant or damage to the implant seal allows bacteria to grow inside the implant and then the fluid slowly leaks out of the implant and spreads throughout your body. You guys should look up pictures of these implants that have developed mold. It's disgusting. They're black on the inside. It's terrifying. So the thought of that leaking out into your body um, is really scary. And I think when we're young and we just want these big breasts, you know, we're not thinking of the risks and the impact that it can have on your family. When you have some of these breast implant illness symptoms, you guys, it's debilitating. It takes time away from your family. You're fatigued. You have brain fog. You no longer have energy to go play soccer in the front yard with your kids. I mean, it's something, it's just not worth it just to have bigger boobs. And I want to say, obviously, um, one shoe does not fit all, right? So there's a lot of women that have had breast cancer and had to have a double mastectomy. And um, I've actually talked with a few women like that during my journey of getting my implants removed. And so I'm not saying that nobody should get breast implants. Um, I've seen some women that are just mortified with the way that their chest looks after having breast cancer and having their breasts removed. So if Getting implants is something that you have done the research and you feel the, the benefits outweigh the risks, then by all means, sister, you do you, boo. <laughs> I mean, I had them for 15 years, right? So I'm not judging anybody. Same thing with the vaccine. You want the vaccine? You do you, boo. I fully support you. That's your body. And I just want my decision to choose um, or my decision to have the choice, I want that to be respected as well. The same thing goes here with breast implants. I'm just trying to share my story and make some people aware of the things that I wish I was made aware of when I got my breast implants because I think it would have saved me a lot of heartache if I would have known. So I started thinking about these implants, these two huge implants that are sitting on my chest. And, um, you know... I'm like, we're getting ready to move to Alaska soon, very soon. And I was thinking, gosh, you know, I'm coming up on time to replace them. I either have to replace them or I've got to make the decision to just get them taken out, right? So then all the thoughts start flooding my mind about what are my breasts going to look like now if I take them out? I'm older. I'm, well, at the time that I got them taken out, I was 38. I got them taken out a year ago. Um... I've had two children. I've had huge, heavy implants in there that have weighed down my breasts. Like, what are my boobs going to look like now? You know, like I was unhappy with my little B-cut boobs at 23 years old, 
But now look what I've done, right? These implants have actually done significant damage to the cosmetic appearance of my body. So Joe and I sat down and we had quite a few talks about you know, removing my breast implants. And he was 100% supportive. You know, he's like, babe, whatever, whatever you want to do. He's like, I want to support you. He's like, just get him out. He's like, just take him out. He agreed with me 100% that it wasn't worth the risk um, and the potential side effects and issues that could come from having the implants. So I, I didn't want to sign on for this lifetime of surgeries, this lifetime of paying thousands of dollars for replacement breast implants, and this lifetime of going under the knife, which carries risks in itself, right? I was like, I don't know, you guys. When I was 23, I didn't think about any of that stuff. I was like invincible. I didn't think about the anesthesia. I didn't think of what could happen when I was under anesthesia. I didn't think about any of that stuff, and I just didn't care. I just wanted big boobs. But now that I'm older, and I have babies that depend on me and a husband and a life. And, you know, I started thinking about all these things. And I'm like, I don't even want to go back under the knife to get them taken out. I'm, I was just, I'm not all about the surgeries anymore. I'm good. I don't even like to go to the doctor unless I have to. So I'm like, I am not the person I used to be. But at the same time, I made a decision back then that is requiring me to go back under the knife, whether I like it or not. So... I started doing some research. I found a phenomenal plastic surgeon. His name is Dr. Stanwix in Richmond, Virginia. And I went up there for a consultation and I started talking to him about the concerns that I was having with, um, you know, the warnings that the FDA has now come out with and women all across the world that are you know, claiming breast implant illness symptoms and just, you know, talk to him about options. Like, do I want to just get them replaced or do I want to just get them taken out and be done with it? And if I take them out, what are my breasts going to look like? What can we do about my breast at that point? Is there anything you can do to try to, you know, cosmetically make them look a little bit better? I was afraid that I was going to have like these empty, saggy, balloons on my chest after he took the implants out. And friends, I have to tell you, like we're all human, right? As much as I would like to say I'm strong, I'm confident in myself, I, I'm I'm different than I used to be, while all that's true, I still have those moments, you guys, where I'm like, oh my gosh, what is Joe gonna think of my boobs? Right? That is, oh my gosh, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> Dang it. I feel like I get emotional on every podcast. I just, I would sit there and look at myself in the mirror after I got out of the shower, before I got the implants taken out, and I would just, I would just be like, what is Joe going to think of my boobs then? Like, I was petrified of my husband not liking what he saw, which again, Joe has always been supportive of me. And, and you know, especially as we've grown through the porn addiction and working with the counseling and working on this road to recovering from that, um, we've gotten a lot closer, but I still, Satan still creeps in, doesn't he? He's a smart little pickle. He really knows where our weaknesses are and he plays on them. So it almost convinced me to not get them removed completely, to just get them replaced because I couldn't fathom the thought of, 
what my breasts would look like and Joe not wanting to look at them. It broke my heart, you guys. It made me so sad. Um, so that definitely took a lot of prayer and talking with Joe. And I was really happy when I left the consultation with the surgeon in Richmond because he recommended some things to me that would help the appearance of my breast even after he removed the implants. So I'm gonna share with you guys um, what I did during my surgery. And um, you know, I have zero regrets about taking my breast implants out. It was the best decision I ever made. I'm actually at a year now. This recording is on, what are we? October 14th. I got my implants taken out October last year. So we're just at a year since I had them removed. So what we did is we went in, we took the implants out, and we also did a total capsulectomy, which is where they basically don't just remove the implant, but they very carefully and strategically remove all of that scar tissue capsule from around the implant as well. Because the thought is that if any toxins at all released from that implant, they would be captured there for the most part in that capsule, that scar tissue. So the idea is if, you know, potentially if you take the implant out, but you leave the scar tissue, that could still continue to leak into your body and, and cause issues for you. So a total capsulectomy costs more, obviously, than just taking the implant out because there's a lot of detailed cutting that has to go in to very carefully and gently um, remove the capsule that the implant has been in for, in my case, 15 years, right? So it was pretty amazing. He took these implants out with the scar tissue capsule all the way around them. So if you can imagine what that looks like, and the idea is when you're doing that, you don't rupture the capsule until you get it completely out of the body. Because what if the implant has ruptured on the inside? If you puncture that capsule during surgery, all of that silicone or saline, if you've got saline implants, could just release right into the body. So it's a very meticulous process, and Dr. Stanwicks was just known for his attention to detail, and I felt I, I trusted him completely with my life, right? He just made me feel that comfortable during the consultation and stuff. But I have pictures of the implants. He took pictures of the process, which was really kind of cool to see what he did. He took these implants out in the scar tissue capsule and then he sliced open the capsules, opened them up, took the implants out, which thank God my implants were not ruptured. Thank God I didn't have any mold. I didn't have anything like that. My implants looked just like the day they were put in me at 23 years old. <laughs> totally clear. Um, just just how they looked when they went in. So I'm very thankful for that. The next thing that he did was a breast lift. Um, he, he did a breast lift to lift the boobs back up, right? Because I've had two children. And like I said, the implants were very heavy and weighed my breasts down. So he did a breast lift to kind of bring the girls back up for me. And then he also did um, a nipple reduction, which was part of the breast lift. Because as you guys could imagine, um, if you take a balloon and you draw a colored in circle with the Sharpie 
and then you blow the balloon up, what happens to that Sharpie dot? It expands and gets bigger, right? So that's what happens with your breasts when you get implants. Your nipples expand and get bigger. So when he took my implants out, if he would have left my nipples the size that they were, it would have looked very disproportionate to the size of my breasts now. It wouldn't look right, right? So he did a um, nipple reduction and uh, sounds kind of gross, but it's it's they call it a cookie cutter. They have this tool that they use to um, measure your nipple and determine the size that it should be to look right on the new breast. And then they cut around and take the excess areola off. So that was part of the surgery. And the other part of the surgery that I kind of went back and forth on was whether or not to get a fat transfer to my breast. So there's a lot of different opinions out there. Um, some women decide to get their breast implants taken out and then wait six months to a year for their bodies to heal and then go back in and do a breast lift and a fat transfer to kind of cosmetically make things look a little bit better, right? Um, there's benefits to that and there's, you know, cons to that and there's benefits and cons to doing it the way that I did it. I opted to just do everything at once because here's my thing, you guys, I didn't want to be put back under. I told Dr. Stanwicks, look, you're going to get one shot at making my boobs look as good as you can make them. And that's it, because I'm not doing this crap again. <laughs> I was like, I'm not paying any more money. I'm not risking going under the knife again. Like, this has caused major stress in my life. I'm never going through this again. So do everything you can possibly do for me. Pull out your best tricks, because you're going to get one chance, and that's it. So... And I did ask Dr. Stanwix about, you know, do you think it's too much for my body? You know, you guys have to think of like what a significant surgery that is, right? They go in the same scar that I had my implants put in. They open that up, but it's actually made wider um, because they have to work in there to take the capsule out, right? So you're going back in through that scar, digging around in my chest cavity, pulling these implants out cutting out the scar tissue. I mean, it's a lot for your body to go through. And then the breast lift, that's a whole nother procedure. So then a fat transfer, essentially what that is, is liposuction. They go in and pull fat from other areas of your body. Um, for me, as most women, uh, my hips and saddlebag area, I've got a ton of it. I had some back fat area that could go. And um, he pulled fat from other parts of my body they process that fat. I don't know exactly what they do, but they clean it and process it. And then they inject that fat back into your breast. Um, and I believe he put 250 to 300 cc's of fat into my breast. So he actually did lipo on my outer hips, my inner thighs, a little bit on my stomach, and then also a little bit from my back fat area. So, um, but I'll tell you guys what, Dr. Stanwicks told me that if I was going to do that, you might as well just do it while you're under, knock everything out at once. And my gosh, you guys, I'm so glad I did that because here I am a year later, it's all done and I don't have the worry of having to go back in for more surgeries. Like it's all over with. So let me just share with you guys, um, 
like I told you, when I got my implants, it cost me $5,000 to get them put in. It cost me $20,000 to take them out. Yeah, I'll just say that again. $5,000 to get them, $20,000 to get rid of them, okay? If that's not reason enough, you know, to not get implants and deal with the drama, I don't know what is. So obviously, like I just shared with you guys, I didn't just get them taken out. Um, I got the breast lift and I got the fat transfer to try to give me um, some cute little breasts that I could be happy with for the rest of my life. But to get them to that point, it cost money. And thankfully, um, with my business, I am so blessed because last year, for whatever reason, during the pandemic was my best year yet in my business. And I really feel like God was just providing me a way to pay for this surgery in cash. So this didn't have to go on a credit card. I didn't have to take out a loan. I literally had the cash to hand the doctors to do this entire procedure for me. And I just was in awe that God did that for me. We, it didn't have to be a burden on our family for me to undo what I did so many years ago. It was, it was such a blessing. So the surgery took about five to five and a half hours, I would say. Um, Joe was not allowed to go in the, the uh, waiting area with me because of COVID. I had to go in all by myself. But I was just so ready to get them out and get this over with. I just, I didn't care, right? Um, so I came home. Um, I actually did really good. I think I only used the painkillers for like the first day. And then the next few days after that, I just used extra strength Tylenol and I did really well. But maybe somebody out there that's kind of um, looking at getting your implants removed, I, I just wanted to share with you kind of what my recovery process was after getting them taken out. Um, it's funny because I don't even think that my breasts were the part that hurt the most. It was the liposuction areas. I felt like I had been run over by a Mack truck like 75 times. I was hunched over, walking like a grandma. You have to wear a compression suit. Um, basically, it's like leggings that go all the way up past your belly button up to your breast line. And you have to wear those every single day, 24 hours a day for like four to six weeks. And you guys, okay, that was like probably worse than the surgery itself. They're compression leggings. So you feel really constricted. You have to sleep in them. They have a cutout in your crotch area so that you can just sit down to go pee because they're so hard to get on and off. It was just awful. Joe and Lexi had to help me get out of them to take a shower and then showering you guys, oh my gosh, was the worst part. So I couldn't bend over. I couldn't do anything. My breasts were very swollen from the fat transfer. I was a little scared at first because they looked bigger than when I even had the implants, but the doctor reassured me, don't worry, they're gonna go down. It's swollen once the new fat settles. You know, you end up losing some of that fat that they transfer inevitably. Um, but whatever you're left with will settle and things will kind of fluff out and look better, so don't worry. Um, I remember Joe had to take a shower with me. He had to wash my hair for me because as you can imagine, lifting my arms to wash my hair was not gonna happen. That was like impossible. 
Um, and I had um, incision tape all over. I had incision tape under my breast over the scar, the incision, incision tape over my nipples because of the nipple reduction. Um, it was just, it was just a lot, you guys. It was just awful. Um, it was awful, but I got through it. It, it was, um, it was doable, and I think it was worth it to just get them out. But I do remember that night that. I took the surgical tape off. You know, you wait however many days you're supposed to wait, 10 to 14 days. And I was so scared to see the incisions. And Joe helped me take them off. And I just felt like Frankenstein, right? Because I've, I had um, stitches. They were dissolvable stitches. But it's just kind of like the... The scar look, the, the tacking of the, the stitches and like all that. And um, I was a little bit mortified. I, I'm not going to lie. I cried. So I again had drain tubes like I did when I got the implants to remove all the excess fluid and blood. And the doctor was an hour away and I had called them when it was time to take the drain tubes out. And they said, yeah, you can come up here. We'll take them out for you. Um, and they said, or, you know, you can take them out yourself if you're comfortable with that, because it's literally just two little tubes stuck in the sides of your boobs. And I'm like, oh, I ain't taking that out. Like I see blood and I'll pass out. That's just the kind of person I am. <laughs> so thankfully, um, Joe was brave enough to take them out for me. And he actually, you guys are going to laugh. He actually watched a few YouTube videos on how to do it. And he took my drain tubes out for me and it actually was just easy peasy, no problem. Definitely felt a little weird. I could feel the tubes in my breast as he was pulling them out. So it was like, kind of felt like there was little worms in my boobs, but it was just a matter of seconds and they were out. So um, I think that one of the worst experiences from my surgery, getting them taken out, <clears throat> there's something, uh, I can't remember the exact term, but when you wake up from anesthesia, there can be issues with certain parts of your body not waking up from the anesthesia. You guys, I was sent home from surgery and I was not able to urinate for a full 24 hours. Like I would have the urge to go pee. I would sit down and nothing would come out. So after 24 hours of not urinating, I was in so much pain, I had to have Lexi rush me to the ER where they wheeled me in in a wheelchair and put a catheter in me. And the lady, the nurse basically said, honey, it's a good thing you came in when you did because your, your bladder could have bursted. She said, your bladder was so full, you literally could have bursted your bladder. It was excruciating pain how bad I had to go to the bathroom, you guys, and it just wouldn't come out. So come to find out that is a side effect of anesthesia. Basically, my bladder, my nerves and senses just hadn't woken up from that yet, so I wasn't able to go. So they said, okay, we're going to leave the catheter in, and then when you're able to pee on your own, you know, we'll take it out in a little while. We'll see if you can pee on your own. If you can pee on your own, then we'll send you home. Well, they took the catheter out. I tried to go to the bathroom. Still couldn't go. They put the catheter back in me. Anybody who's had a catheter, you know that this is really uncomfortable, right? And painful. So inevitably, I wasn't able to pee on my own at the emergency room. So I don't know if this is normal. Maybe some of you out there are nurses or doctors, but 
they sent me home with the catheter inside me. And they gave me a referral to follow up with the urologist um, to get the catheter removed. Well, when I came home and called the urologist due to COVID, they had a three-week waiting list before I could even get into their office to get this catheter removed. You guys, I'm like, what? (laughs) No, here I had this catheter in me and this pee bag strapped to my thigh and I'm you know, laying on my couch with my pee going in the bag, you know, and I'm like, this cannot, I cannot have this thing in me for three weeks. Like, no. So once again, here comes Joe to the rescue. Um, I probably had that catheter in me for a day or two at home and I finally couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, it's got to come out. I got to see if I can pee on my own. And Joe watched some YouTube videos and he took the catheter out for me. And again, within a few seconds, it was out and I felt so relieved. And I do want to say that Joe has um, medical training from when he was in the army. So he's very like, he can give someone IV. He, that kind of stuff just doesn't gross him out. So um, doing this kind of stuff was nothing for him, right? But after that, you guys, I was finally able to go to the bathroom on my own. But that was like a three-day fiasco. And that was one of the worst things from the surgery. And that's just like this random thing that doesn't happen to everybody. It didn't happen to me when I got my breast implants. I recovered from that surgery just fine. Um, But for whatever reason, being older, I don't know. Don't know what it was, but my bladder just didn't want to wake up. And for like three days, I couldn't pee on my own. And it was just a nightmare. (laughs) So a year now later, um, my breasts are completely healed. The doctor is an absolute genius. I look at my scars that I have and they're like as thin as a pencil line. Like if you take a mechanical pencil and you just draw a line on a piece of paper, that's how my scars look. It's absolutely amazing. I slathered myself down with coconut oil every time I got out of the shower. I used frankincense essential oil, lots of different oils that are really good for um, helping to minimize scars. And I'm super pleased with the way that everything turned out. And now my breast has settled and I am actually a full, I would say a full C cup. Um, when I, I was excited, I got to go buy some lacy bras, which I've never got to do in my entire life. Um, since I had implants and my little breast fill that bra out really nicely. And I'm very happy with the outcome. If I could go back and undo the decision to get breast implants, I would definitely do that. There's a lot of things in life, even mistakes we've made where we look back and we're like, if I could go back and undo it, I wouldn't because I, you know, look who I am now because of it. Yes, that's true. But my gosh, you guys, I sure did put my body through a lot and I sure did waste a lot of money just for this false idea of what I thought my body should look like because of what I was being told by the culture, right? So I just wanted to share this story with you guys. Um, Breast implants are a real thing. There are so many women that have breast implants. They say in 2018, more than 310,000 women and teenagers in the United States underwent surgery to have you know, breast augmentation. So it's a very popular surgery. Um, and these doctors are not only getting rich on putting the implants in, they're getting rich on the procedures to take them out. 
Uh, because like I said, it's not just taking them out. Most women need some kind of reconstructive surgery to make their breasts look um, like breasts and to make them look good again after breast implants get removed. So they're making a lot of money off of us. And I just, you know, if you're somebody that's ever been unhappy with your breasts and the way that you look and you've considered getting implants, I just want to say, please do your research. Research both sides of it. Don't just look at the women that love their implants. Look at the women that don't love their implants. Look at the women that have had major reactions and bad side effects from it because that's a reality. And I want you to be informed and to be prepared for the decision that you might make. And if you have implants and you've been considering taking them out, um, I just want to encourage you and tell you that there is light um, at the end of the tunnel. And I am 100% happy with my breasts today. I, in fact, I love them more now than I do than I did when I had breast implants. They were just too big, way too big. And that lingering thought of knowing that they weren't permanent, that I was always going to have to go in for another surgery was always just looming over me. It was awful. So I want to encourage you um, shop around, make sure you do your research on the plastic surgeon that you choose because there are people out there that just botch surgeries every day. You guys, you need to find somebody that has a clientele with reviews that's certified, that's detail-oriented and meticulous and can do a really good job cosmetically for you because our breasts are important to us, right? As women, like that's, that's part of who we are. I think in the culture that we live in, um, more so today than back when I got my breast implants, it's all about looks, it's all about what's on TV and social media, and we really have to learn how to turn that noise off and stay in our words, stay close to the Lord, because the Lord created us the way that he wants us to be, you guys. We spend our lives trying to change how we look to be something else. And in a way, you know, looking back, I feel like it's kind of a slap in the face to God, right? Like, I mutilated my body, this this perfect creation that he made, because I allowed the culture to make me think that I wasn't good enough that I, I needed to be something different. And I took his masterpiece and I mutilated it. So I wanted to read a couple of verses to you guys before I go um, that I thought were, you know, fitting for this topic. And one of them is 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. It says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So that goes with everything. And I talked about this um, when I did the episode about the vaccine mandates and kind of my thoughts on that as far as being a Christian. And we are supposed to safeguard our bodies because we are the temple of the living God. So for me to put breast implants in my body that could potentially harm me, potentially cause breast cancer, you know, that's not safeguarding this temple that God entrusted me with, right? The other one is Psalm 139, 13. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So I look at that verse and I just think that he knit us together. He did that. It's like it's like taking six months to crochet this beautiful blanket and then having someone come along and just chop it up with scissors because they didn't think it looked good enough. Right? Man, you know, when you really think of it like that, it's just, it's amazing. He created us the way he wants us. He knows every single hair, the number of hairs we have on our heads, you guys. There were no mistakes with God. He doesn't make mistakes. So your eyebrow that's crooked or your eye that squints more than the other one, or you have some imperfect teeth, or maybe, you know, you've got a a big behind and a small upper body or vice versa, or, I mean, whatever it is, right? I mean, we just think of all these things. We're our own worst critic. In the midst of that, remember that God is the one that knit you together. So you are perfect. You're perfect in his eyes, and his eyes are the only ones that matter. So I went a little bit over on today's show, you guys, but I hope that my breast implant story could be helpful to somebody out there. And again, I just want to encourage you, sisters, love your body well and know that you are a perfect creation by God. Do not doubt yourself. And no matter what, keep your blinders on and do not listen to the culture and the ways of this world. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. Take care, my friends, and I will see you on the next show.